This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember Joe Girardi once coined the phrase, not what you want? Well, here's here's what you don't want if you're a Met fan. Adam Adovino on the mound giving up runs. And Matt Olson just connected on an RBI single, so that 5-1 lead is now 5-2. But as I say that on a 2-0 pitch, he gets... I uh, can't see who this is, but he gets the Braves to ground out right back to him, and they escape the jam with no further trouble. So the Mets now nine outs away from taking the third game of this series against the Braves. Scherzer will be on the mound tonight. DeGrom on the mound tomorrow. In theory, you are set up nicely to take four or five if you can just close the deal here right now. Uh, we'll get back to baseball later on. Got some football we're going to touch on, but let's go to back to the phone lines. Ernest in, in Brooklyn wants to talk about you know, New York fandom and the, the loyalty conversation that we had earlier. Hello. What's up, Ernest? Hey, how you doing? Love your show. You are the – when you're with all the guys, I respect you the most. But I think you're wrong with this, oh, and here's why. I love it. Let me hear I'm a, I'm a 58-year-old diehard Mets, Nets, and Jets fan. Okay. And – don't get me wrong. I don't mind we're going to stick it to you at this World Series if we win and beat you. But I say to you, when I, my 1986 Mets, when we beat the Red Sox, who did you root for? Well, because it, it would have been hard. It would have been the most hated rival. Ernest, would have been hard for me to have a rooting interest in a series that I wasn't alive for. I was, uh, I was born in 93. But if the question is oh, who no. would I have rooted for? That's a tough one. It reminds me of the Giants-Patriots Super Bowls in, in 07 and 2011. I'm conflicted. So you do get into those situations from time to time where you just have no idea who to root for. But in that series, honestly, I don't know. Like, the Red Sox were never a threat at that point. The Mets winning a championship and, and, and the Yankees were about to go into a period where they weren't going to be that good. That Mets team could have won a lot in the 80s. So that that was dangerous territory. Yeah. That was dangerous territory if you were a Yankee fan. So it would have been tough. Honestly, I don't even have the answer to that. Who would I have rooted for in the 86 World Series had I been alive for it? I have no idea. But let me say this. You're a New York fan. Don't you have pride even though the Yankees crushed us in, what was it, 2003? 2000. But, uh, you talking about the Mets? Yeah, they, in 2000. 2000. We got crushed. Yeah. But, didn't you feel a sense of pride as a New York fan that we had everything wrapped up? It didn't. I mean, of course, I, no. of course, I want the Mets to beat on the Yankees. I, I do. But when the Yank, when my Mets got eliminated, I was a New York fan, so I jumped on the Yankee bandwagon just because of New York. But now that it's this year, if you guys can get past Houston, hey. If we beat you, yeah, I'm going to rub it in as much as I want because, yeah, I'm a Mets fan and you're a what Yankee if you fan. Lo- what if, so, so, so if you're a Mets fan and you're waiting in the World Series, it's Game 7, Astros, Yankees, and in the, in the ALCS. You're rooting for the Yankees to get to the World Series. Yeah. A- and then yeah, what? Ha- okay. All right. So And then the Yankees get to the World Series and dust you off in five. How do you feel that you were rooting for that team and now they just beat you in five games and, and Yankee fans once again have bragging rights? That's right. I'll be devastated exactly. and I'll be pissed you're, off. But you're at signing the same up. time, you're hey, s- the New York, New York City still got the title. 
But at the same time, you Yankee fans, you know you're a bunch of crybabies. You're, you're millions ahead of them, and you're always crying about something. Well, listen, there's a, there's a standard of there's a standard of excellence, and and Met fans do this a lot, as if it's tied to just Yankee. It's a Yankee fan thing. Like it's only unique to Yankee fans. You think Duke Blue Devil fans are happy that they got bounced in the Final Four this past season? Now I understand that you know the Coach K aspect and wanting him to go out adds a little bit more flavor to it. But Duke basketball being happy with getting to the Final Four would never happen. The Packers got to the playoffs last year. You think they were happy they were one and done? You 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 think all those years with Brady they they were just content with getting to the playoffs? Alabama football, they're in the, the the college football playoff every single year. You think that that's a successful season for them? Like when you have traditional powerhouses in sports, the expectation is you contend for championships. And anytime you fall short of that, obviously you, your fan base is going to complain about it. And by the way, if you're the organization, that's what you root for because you you want there to be accountability. You want to have that expectation level associated with your brand because it just makes you more popular. I don't think it's Yankee fans just being cryberry, uh, crybabies. Now, when you're a Mets fan and you haven't won since 86, I understand you being jealous. When you haven't won a playoff game in seven years, I get it. When 07 happens and then the collapse happens again in 08, I understand that. When you've got managers handing guys the, you know, the, the wrong batting lineup, when when City Field literally is on fire, when you have the history that you've had since '86, I understand you being a little salty. But I mean, don't come at Yankee fans and call them a cryberry. It's not that's not nice. Nick in Westchester wants to talk. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, 78. Yeah, I'm old school. Okay. And uh, a Yankee fan first uh, exposure to the for 19. 19- I was eight years old when we got a TV. They used to be on Channel 11 in those days, WPIX. So I saw the 52 World Series, uh, and that was their fourth in a row. The next year, they won the fifth. Now, I'm a Yankee fan uh, for more years than most of your callers are. But but these Yankee fans today, and even the sportscasters, they're comparing the Yankees, you know, the, the Houston Astros records is almost the same as the Yankees. Yeah, they're one game they're back. They're all going off the wall. Compare it to 98. Compare it when the year is over with and they win the World Series. That's fair. No, that's, that's fair. When you compare it. That's fair, but, I mean, I mean to, to be fair, they're not, Nick. They're not as good as any other team that won the World Series yet. Okay. They're not as good yet, and I'm a Yankee fan. I'm rooting for them. But you know what they're missing? A thing called clutch hitting. Because they're not going to hit these pitchers in the playoffs. I mean, Nick, they literally lead the league in in walk-off hits. I don't know if you can get more clutch than literally ending a game with a game-winning hit. But sure, like I understand your point, and I appreciate the call. I understand your point about how we kind of all went crazy collectively comparing this team to the 98 team uh, because of the pace. And it's what we do. Like, that's, that creates conversation. When, when you're in sports talk, we, we love to create lists. We love to do comparisons. We do it with legendary players. We do it with coaches. We do it with teams. And when the Yankees were on pace to, to possibly set a record 
and and you know and surpass the '98 Yankees. That that obviously has to be brought brought to the forefront of conversation. But I always rejected it because like that '98 team, it wasn't just about what they were doing in the midst of doing that year. They had won the title two years before that. '96 when they come back and beat the Braves in the World Series. '97 they used they lose to Cleveland, and there was a vengeance about them entering that '98 season. It almost reminds me of. The 2014 Spurs, after they lost on that Ray Allen shot in 2013, like coming into a year with that vengeance factor, knowing that you had won it, you've ta- you've already tasted what it feels like to win a championship, then you then you almost feel like you're robbed of an opportunity to do so. So you come into that ensuing season with an extra layer of motivation, and, and that's what what happened in '98. And it was a team of, of winners as the Mets played another run, so they're now up 6-2 on Atlanta. It was a team of winners. They they had been there and done that. And all of the stars on that team, Jeter and Bernie and Posada and Clemens and Cole, and Cole, I mean, it, it was a star-studded lineup. So the comparison maybe in real time was silly, but the further we get removed from it with how the Yankees have looked over the last uh, month or so, it, it, it gets even more silly. We go to the Bronx to talk to Marvin. What's up, Marvin? Hey, uh, I'm just calling to congratulate you, and it's going to be a pleasure watching you grow to become the, the sports broadcaster that you're going to become and that I can always say I knew him when. <laughs> and once again, I'm not going to go into great deal, but congratulations to you and your family. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. That that means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, man. Take care, man. I, 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 he said he also wanted to weigh in on, on true fans not showing up, you know, when their teams aren't winning. Those are just fair weather fans. Those are those are fair weather fans. But I do appreciate the sentiments, Marvin. Um, always showing me love, man. Really appreciate it. Mike and Manalapin wants to talk about David Ortiz. What's up? Hey, uh, actually, I want to change my topic. Okay, I'm all about <laughs> that. We we can freestyle, man. Up. It's a Saturday afternoon. We're having fun. We're, yeah. we're 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 pulling the vibes. Let's go. Let's do it. So I'm the guy, Mike from Manalpin, that got Don going that one day with the rant. Oh, man. Um, so you're on that list of, of guys that helped contribute to a, a, a Don rant. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I also want to congratulate you because I don't know if you did it on purpose, but while I'm listening there, I wasn't really fired up. And then, you know, part of your job is to get the callers, you know, enthusiastic, wanting to make the calls. And your comments really got me going. So you, you, you're, you're going to do great. Thank you, man. I appreciate um, that. But I, I just want to – so you said you were born in 93? 93. 93. So I, I'm a Mets fan, and you're a Yankees fan. Sorry to hear that. that. The Yankees fan. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I used to be sorry until Cohen bought the team. Oh, okay. But, How many championships have you won since, 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 since uh, he bought uh, the team? None yet. But, oh, okay. but my point oh, is – Oh, yet. So, 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 you're, so you were saying Yankees fans aren't, aren't crybabies. So my, my point – you know, you were born in 93, so you were, what, uh, 7, 20. 8, and 9 oh, when they me. won it? Yes. Okay, so you, you really, so, you, you know, and then you compare Yankees fans to Duke fans because they lost in the Final Four and, and expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, Duke won a championship a couple of years ago. The Yankees haven't won anything since 2009. Yeah, And I my point that. is, like, you guys, you know, the Yankees fans, the reason I called up, you know, about Gallo is because you're, you guys always expect a championship, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But but you're not, like, on that level anymore. You guys always get to the playoffs and lose. 
you haven't really won anything in in over a decade, which is longer than the Mets. So I'm not comparing it to the Mets and whatnot. Wait, time but, on. You know, hang on, there. hang on, hang on. You okay. haven't won anything in a decade, which is longer than the Mets. What does that mean? No, no, no. I'm saying no. What I'm saying is I'm not comparing the Mets to the Yankees. Okay. I'm saying we haven't won it in a long time. So okay. I'm not saying like. You know, no, this I'm is not, independent. I get it. Yankees. This is this is independent okay. of your Mets yeah. fandom. You're just analyzing Absolutely. Yankee recent yeah. history. Okay, I got it. So, Go ahead. So, so, so you're one of those these delusional Yankee fans with these expectations where you, you really shouldn't have them because you've never experienced okay. that championship. Like you can talk about the past, but the Yankees have not proven anything in the last over a decade, which is a long time. Okay. The Astros have. The Dodgers have. You know, um, the Giants have. They can expect to win championships. The Yankees fans can no longer do that. They so Yankee fans should. So Yankee fans, because they haven't won since 2009, despite the fact that I mean they were in the championship series in 2019, they were in the championship series in 2017. Uh, the Yankee fans should no longer expect to win championships, despite the fact that also Vegas coming into the year had them as the favorites to win the title this year, had them last year as the favorites to come out of the American League. So not only shouldn't but, Yankee fans do it, Vegas is also getting it wrong. Like, we should not even talk Yankee championships. I, I, I'm trying to do Yankees fans a favor. Okay. And my, and my reasoning is, is you guys won a championship. You guys should appreciate the great season you're having. Because when you get to the playoffs, it never comes through. So you need to change your expectations. Don't expect just a championship or bust. Appreciate winning during the regular season. Well, those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, Mike. Like, you can at the same time appreciate the season that's happening while expecting a championship. And if the championship doesn't come, be disappointed in that. Like that. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, okay. too, because this is very fascinating to me. And, and I want to say I mean, one just, thing about just one, just one, I, I have okay, one. Go, I have go. one question for you. Do you think that the, the Boston Celtics are, are a great organization? The Boston Celtics? Yes. Uh, yes. They're, they're tied for number one all-time in championships. Do you feel like Celtics fans should no longer expect to win championships? Uh, the new, no, I, I don't think they go into a season. I mean, the past, you know, they won it. I, I don't think they go into a season. I mean, next year they can. But the years oh, leading up to this, that's I mean, interesting. That's interesting that next year they're allowed to do the. So the Celtics have won one title in the last thirty years. They're allowed to go into next season expecting to win a championship. Why? Because they just got to the finals this year. But the Yankees, who I mean, they they won in two thousand nine, and I know it feels like a long time ago, but not as long as eighty six because you're a Met fan, and you know that's that, that's three decades ago. But like I I don't understand I don't understand how it how that works. Where like a Celtics fan again, I mean, hasn't won as much as the Yankees the last thirty years. They can expect to win a championship, but just because the Yankees haven't won in thirteen years, they can't. Like the, the expectation should change i'm coming i'm coming and i just want to say one thing about a mets fan after this but my response is i'm tr i'm looking out for you and yankees fans i love it you guys should be happy if you make the playoffs oh really if so you don't win the champ if you don't win the championship don't call it a failed season mm, just interesting. appreciate getting there imagine but anyway that. Coming, back, but coming back to the mets real quick go ahead so this year with the subway series all the mets fans calling in you know talking about the two games my mindset has completely changed is you know since Cohen took over. If we had done this two years ago, I would have been super happy. It doesn't even I mean we won the two games against the Yankees great. But expectations now with the Mets are the same. Championship or bust. 
I mean, we have a great team. We are no longer the little guy in the town. You guys are looking up to us because we're going to be able to make the moves. We are now the Yankees where we're not penny-pinching and doing certain things like Cashman. Okay. And, look, we're very lucky that we got an owner that's a billionaire, but we're also even more lucky because he's a passionate fan. Nice. He's a fan, and he can appreciate the, heart, the, the heart-wrenching you know, humiliation that Mets fans have. So he's going to have us win. Unfortunately, you know, you guys are now going to have to experience the Mets becoming the big brother. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. But I'm yeah. saying, as a Yankees fan, appreciate making the playoffs. Okay. Appreciate this. Don't, right. don't, don't, you know, look at it like, oh, we didn't win a championship. Okay. You guys don't win championships anymore. Mike, I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I pro, yeah. I appreciate the call. I just disconnected you. Probably would have been better served to do that three minutes ago before you went on that asinine rant about how the Yankees are looking up to the Mets. And I wanted to go football. I'm excited to talk some football, but you just got me riled up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to respond to what you just said, and then we're going to go on about the rest of our day. Ty Butler going until 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. As I'm listening to Mike from Manalapin do what he just did, I thought, no wonder Don went crazy on that guy. I mean, to sit there and and he he had to have been trolling because during the break I said, do I come back and, and do I become the bad guy who who comes on here and says, as a Yankee fan, I've never seen them finish under 500. So since '92, zero seasons under 500. And in the last five years, that's the same number of playoff appearances your team had. Like, do I become the Yankee, the Yankee fanboy who does that? I'm kind of glad you didn't because I just want to give you some insight into what Mike told me prior to him getting on. Literally, the way he introduced himself, you know, he said, hi, this is uh, Mike from Manalip. And then he went on to say, you know, I was the guy that oh, John. So- yeah, so – he might have been, you know, baiting you to do it, and I'm glad you didn't kind of feed into that yet. He's living in a space where like, he got famous for doing something, and now he's just going to lay in that bed. I'm not going to be the Yankee fan who comes on here and, and talks about, you know, the the amount of playoff series we've been involved in since you last won a single playoff game. I'm not going to do that because I am a nice guy. I'm mature. I am actually... Not rooting for the Mets, but I'm enjoying watching the the baseball vibrancy that comes with both teams being respectable. Not just respectable, but being so relevant that we can pose a question at the top of the show about who has the higher ceiling. We can entertain a conversation about a possible Subway Series matchup. So I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be the Yankee fan who comes on here and just says hashtag wild boar or brings up Robinson Cano failing not one but two drug tests, you know, with your team. I'm not going to do that. The, you know, Bobby Bonilla day, it's just not in my best interest to be that guy. You know, remember the year your manager says we're not going to fall into a tailspin and then you did exactly that. I, I, I just refuse to be the person who is going to anger Met fans because I, I enjoy the back and forth with Met fans. Like I understand, it's been. Uh, I understand it's been. What is it now? Twenty six years since you last won a, a title. We're going on three decades. Like that's a long time ago. I, I, I thirty six years. We're going on four decades since you last won a championship. It's it's been that long. So you haven't really had much to cheer about, and you can you know 
bang your tambourines about a, a World Series appearance in 2015, a series that you lost in five, despite being favored to win. Lucas Duda, the, the throw home, I mean, still traveling. I, I don't want to be that guy. So, I, so I'm just going to sit here and say, you know what, with uh, Mike and Manalapan, I vehemently disagree with you. I don't think I will. I'm, I'm only 29 years old. And I plan to live, and it's not, you know, about my plan, but hopefully God sees it, that I can live to be 100. I don't think I will live a single day on this earth being a Yankee fan, looking up as the Mets, being the, the big brother. That is never going to happen. You can dream about it. You can fantasize about it. And, and apparently, what's so funny about what he said was uh, the Yankees have to change their expectations because it's no longer championship or bust. It's about just making the playoffs and being content with that. But the Mets, you know, this season, championship or bust. It's uh, a championship or bust. I know we've been to the World Series twice in the last 22 years. The Yankees have more championships than that in the last 22 years. More championships than you have World Series appearances. I know that's happened, but you can change your expectations as a Met fan, but not as a Yankee fan. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to play nice, and we'll just respectfully disagree. We'll respectfully disagree. Buddha in the Bronx. What's up, bro? TB, what's going on, kid? Yo, it's been a minute, man. It's been a minute. How you doing? I'm good. I've been listening. I was just working, y'all. I, I, I was going to call you yesterday, but I was just, you know, got caught up at work, man. I feel you, man. You showed a lot good. of patience. You showed a lot of patience with that last call. A lot of reserves. Sometimes. Got a little butter on that popcorn. Well, well some, <laughs> some, sometimes, you know, to quote the great Jay-Z, you know, a wise man said don't argue with fools because uh, people from a distance won't know who's who. The other part of that is, you allow themselves to have the platform to make a fool of themselves so then other people can enjoy it for your own entertainment value. I don't want to get involved with that. I'm going to be the bigger man. Okay. It was entertaining, though. <laughs> but, uh, listen, two points. Your first point is a light point on, um, you know, the Mets-Yankees thing. Uh, you know, I got a little different perspective on it. I remember you were talking to the, to the, um, the gentleman, Jelly. I think he's pretty much around my age. I mean, listen, growing up, my father was a spitting image of Reddy Jackson, maybe about two inches taller. I mean, you saw them side by side. You think they were brothers. So, you know, in my house, obviously, it was Yankees all day, every day. You know, and um, but I don't know what happened, in, like, in the mid-'80s. I mean, we the Mets were like like how, how the captain said. Um, they were the Mets. You know, we never really thought about them. You know, there was no rivalry or nothing like that. But during that little time period where, um, you know, the Yankees, you know, after 81, things got a little bad, you know, in, in the 80s. You know, um, Robin Gibbons' mom was accusing Dave Whitfield of giving her the clap. I mean, there was all kind of nonsense going on. Then you had Doc and Daryl, you know, come come to New York. And, and maybe it was cultural. And like I said, my father was a big Yankee fan. I was, I'm a big Yankee fan, you know. Um, but that Doc and Daryl was a point in television. So I don't know if that's kind of the reason why I don't hate the Mets. But I don't really hate the Mets. You, you understand what I mean? I get it. So you, you are... You're a big Knicks fan, right? And no, 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 no. Sixers, oh no, you're a Sixers, Sixers fan. You're a Sixers fan. I'm sorry, you're a Sixers. Fan. Yeah, you, you, you're a Sixers fan. But um, yeah, you're a Sixers fan. I remember that. I'm sorry, but it's similar to why like Knicks fans initially, like when when Durant and Irving first signed in Brooklyn in the summer of 2019, you ask a Knicks fan if they hated the Nets, the answer was no, and the reason was because it was too new. 
But once the Nets became nationally more relevant and started to enter that conversation where, you know, they could win a championship, like if the Nets ever go on a run where they start winning championships with these guys, then of course as a Knicks fan you're going to feel hatred. The Mets have just been so irrelevant to the Yankees. Like, why hate them? Now, if the Mets turn around and all of a sudden they become the, the 90s Yankees with Steve Cohen, then that that, that is going to change quickly. They're just too I mean, irrelevant yeah. to exert energy. That that's the that's the main thing. I mean, yeah, I like, but like I said, I think it is partially a little cultural. I mean, you know, you, you know, growing up in the hood. But I mean, listen, you know, and if you even if you even think about it, look at, at, at George. Even George had an affinity for Doc and Daryl. You understand know what I'm saying? He brought yeah. them back. I don't know, man. You know, I, I just I just never ever since that point, I never like. I don't want them to beat the Yankees or something like that, but, like, when they're playing the Braves or something else like that, I do root for the Mets. You know, I don't hate them like that. You know, anyway, you know, but listen, when you and Ira were talking, and this has been going on for a while, and, like, this is when I start, like, getting a little pissed off. You know, not at you guys per se, but just at this premise, man, like, that Zach Wilson is the absolute key to everything that's, that's going on wrong with the Jets last year. And I beg to differ, you know. And when I say this, I'm not saying this like, you know, I'm the hugest Zach Wilson fan because I didn't even really want them to pick him. But what I'll say is this, you know, we got to stop, man. Like, how many times are we going to get on this stupid train of, all right, this young guy is going to come in here and be the savior of this team? This coaching staff has to step up, bro. Like, they, they will, you know, listen, as bad as he played, the defensive coordinator was equally as bad. Well, but here's the thing, Buddha, 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 let me, let me, and I'll let you continue, but here is where I like to remind people that certain things aren't mutually exclusive. Like, things can happen all at the same time. Yes, the coaching staff, and it's a new coaching staff, Salah's in his first year, experienced growing growing pains, and I think he would admit that. There were some things that even as as good as he was as a defensive coordinator with San Francisco, and he was like the hot new toy everyone wanted, like being the head coach of a football team, having to, you know, be the proctor of a, an entire 53-man roster is, is completely different. So there were there was a lot that went wrong with the, the, with the Jets last year. The defense was atrocious. Injured the Makai Becton situation with the injuries, Denzel Mims. Like, there was a lot of noise in that Jets locker room last year that just wasn't, um, that just wasn't favorable. But Zach Wilson, I mean, and this is true for every team in the league. If you're getting suspect quarterback play, unless you have a dominant defense and a strong running game and one of the best coaches in the league, your quarterback can't be, your quarterback can't stink. Like, you're not going to be able to win games with a bad quarterback. Unless everything else is perfect, so that that's that's yeah, the, that's the point we're making. Listen, I agree with that, but see, my whole thing is it's talent evaluation and analysis that you're doing in your own building where you got to see where he was at. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, and then all this stuff, all these comparisons. Well, look at Josh Allen. Listen, first of all, I'm gonna give everybody a newsflash: Zach Wilson is not Josh Allen. So he cannot be the barometer of how um, Zach Wilson's career or success is going to go. How about you give the kid half of the playbook? How about you run and play defense and try to keep it conservative? Listen, there were times where they were going four wide. I mean, come on, bro. Like, that, 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 that stuff, I'm sorry. You could be new as, 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 as a freshman. 
first blade of green grass, but you got two eyeballs and you're in those practices. And from everything that you were hearing during the scrimmages and all that, he was throwing interceptions all over the place. So why not rein it in? The reason why Mike White looked better than him is because Mike White would learn how to do check down Charlie before Zach Wilson did. Zach That's was overwhelmed. And, and, and listen, Buddha, and listen, I mean, the part of the coaching staff, yes, you're right, evaluate situationally what your quarterback does well, what, where he struggles, and how we can best put him into position to succeed. But, I mean, the quarterback has to take some of the blame, too. Like There, there, were, there were many times last year where he is just blatantly missing wide-open receivers, and it's killing drives. And also, him him putting himself in positions where he's throwing interceptions and turning the ball over, it, it, it puts your defense at a disadvantage because now there's a short field, and they're on the field all game. So, look, ev- blame has to go everywhere. When you are as bad as the Jets were last year, there's plenty of blame to go around. It, it's not just on Zach. It's on the coaching staff. It's on the GM, which is why this year is going to be so fascinating because we can't go through that again and then come out of it and say, well, there's still tremendous upside for the quarterback. Still, you know, we still trust the head coach, the GM. No, if they, if they have that same season next year, lots of question marks, a lot of questions. Let me, let, me, let me just end with this and just ask you a question, What's that? and then I'll let you answer it. Um, now, the report that you're giving right now on Zach Wilson's first season isn't that kind of similar to the same stuff that was going on with Sam Donald? Oh, absolutely. Two, it's scary. And these yeah. are two different players. So we can always say it's the individual. And I'm not trying to say, listen, I didn't like Sam Donald either. I'm not trying to say that the players don't need to play better. But sometimes your philosophy has to change too, yo. Come on, bro. No, it Come does. on. It they got to pull it down a bit. It does, and I appreciate the call with Buddha. It's always good chopping it up with you. We'll continue to talk some football. When he's right, when there's a pattern of a certain behavior, and the behavior is young quarterbacks come here, highly touted, you trade up for them, or wherever you take them in the draft, they come with promise, and then ultimately they flatline. That's an organizational problem. That's malpractice on the organization. And then we get sold on, well, the next guy, it'll be better because we have a brand new regime in here and we've learned from our past mistakes. And that was Darnold, and now he's in Carolina battling for a quarterback spot with uh, against Baker Mayfield. Zach Wilson last year was objectively bad. And again, when Mike White, when your second and third string guys have moments where they look better than you, that ain't great. Uh, there were people chanting for Mike White last year to continue playing. Chanting for him to continue playing. That's not great. We'll continue to talk football. Daniel Jones is another guy who's going to be under tremendous pressure next year. Uh, you wonder, Brian Dable, because he's the hot commodity, Giant fans seem to be thrilled with him, and it's it always is going to go back to Josh Allen and, and how good he became. Last year, people forget Josh Allen, for much of the season, was one of the leading candidates for MVP. And then he had uh, a little bit of a tough stretch, and Rodgers eventually overtook him. But is who's more responsible for the other guy being successful? Was it Brian Dable with Josh Allen or Josh Allen with Dable? Giant fans are hoping that even if it's not Dable being more responsible, 
it's somewhere closer to 50-50 because now we have a guy who can come in and really unlock Daniel Jones and be the guy who this organization thought they were getting when he was drafted six overall. We're way up against the clock. Jacob is very annoyed with me. He's about to play Van Halen coming back uh, just to you know, get under my skin. We'll be right back right here on 98.7 ESPN. You've got Scherzer going in the nightcap of this doubleheader. You've got DeGrom going tomorrow. Here is what you're staring at. You're staring at a seven-game division lead. You're up four right now. You're going to win this game, and you have your two best pitchers going in the final two games of the series. Come tomorrow, let's call it 27 hours from now, you can be up in this series, uh, in this division, I'm sorry, seven games. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. So we'll continue to update on this as it goes final. The Mets, big series coming in, and so far they're taking care of business. Josh and Mount Pocono was to weigh in on the baseball. What's up, Josh? Hey, Ty. Uh, first off, congratulations on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Um, and for that last caller to say, not the last caller, but that Mets caller, Yankees don't win championships anymore. There's, it, like Brian Cashman says, basically been a crapshoot. The Braves last year were nowhere near where the Yankees are. The Nationals a few years ago were nowhere near where the Yankees are at the trade deadline. So I'm, as a Yankee fan, I this is as excited as I've been in. I can't remember. I just I like this team. I like the moves we made at the deadline. I just feel like the whole organization kind of moving in the right direction. Yeah, and you have to feel good. Um, it just feel you wonder like the Yankees. Is this the best chance they have? Is this the best chance they've had at winning a championship post two thousand nine? We have to wait and see what happens in October. But is is this the best you've felt going into October since two thousand nine? Like, 2017 came out of nowhere. Let's back backtrack just a little bit. 2012, remember, Jeter got hurt in that championship series against the Tigers. And then after that, they were just never the same. Jeter, Jeter was never the same player. He retired in 2014. In 2017, or well, in 2016, there was that declare-yourself moment against the Rays late in the season before the deadline where the Yankees were flirting with being a playoff team, but then they got swept and sold everyone. 2017 happened, just the young core. They go on a run, but no one expected it. 2018 was when Boone came in. They won 100 games, but they lost in round one against the Red Sox, who had won 108 games. 2019 comes, and you're, you know you still have to overcome that Houston team who just two years ago beat you, and then won the championship. 2020, you lost in round one to the Rays, and the Rays were just better than you in every aspect that that entire season. Last year, didn't even win a single playoff game. This year, you started the season flirting with the all-time baseball record, and now, since then, you know, since then it's, it's kind of coming apart. How's this for a stat? Entering July, the Yankees had the best record in baseball, 56 and 21. Best bullpen ERA at 271. Since then, they're 14 and 16. That ERA is up to 3.44. They're not good in one run games anymore. The, the bullpen's blowing leads. 
injuries now to Stanton, Severino. Rizzo, is he's dealing with a, a back issue now. It, it, Clay Holmes, who was one of the top relievers in baseball, we're, we're now at a point where Boone said last night uh, he brought Clay Holmes into the eighth inning with the expectation that Tra- Chapman was going to pitch the ninth. So that's in itself a demotion. So a lot going on with the Yankees. I, I'm not panicking yet. I mean, they're still a, a, a great team. Vegas tells me they're, if not the favorites to win the title, they're the second favorites behind the Dodgers, a, a loaded team. So I'm not panicking about the Yankees. I feel great about them. But, for that, I mean, we keep referencing that call. Of the, the idea that Yankee fans should just settle for making the playoffs now because the big bad Mets are in town and all the expectations belong to them is just lunacy. Eli in Washingtonville. What's Bye. up, Eli? <laughs> Eli, talk to me. Oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, listen, sorry about that. Uh, now you good. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you when it comes to, you know, look, what that Mets fan said, it's crazy. But you could, you, the New York loves winners. So, for you know, in the 80s when the, the, the Mets were 1986 and they were winning, there was kind of a shift, you know, of power, at least a little bit. Of course. And, uh, yeah, but with uh like you said, the current regime, uh, I don't know if you, you listened to the, the show before, uh, where uh, Ashley called and we were discussing why Derek Jeter doesn't come to, uh, I guess, uh, old timers day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I told the, you know, uh, the host, I was like, listen, Derek Jeter doesn't come to his old timers day because he shares the sentiment that every Yankee fan does. Like, he hates Derek. I mean, he hates Brian Cashman for his reasons. And us Yankee fans love hating Brian Cashman because every season is a crapshoot. Look, I. And he's building the team to a one for 162 every single year. Like, today, I mean, this this year, instead of going for a pitcher, he throws away a pitcher. Yeah, that didn't instead make sense to for, me. For, yeah, instead of going for, for Soto, you know, that, that you, you'll guarantee a chip, you want to keep prospects. You know, for him, everything is, you know, he has to hold on to his prospects. He has to try to, like, find lightning in a bottle here and there when the obvious moves are there for you to win a championship, but you don't want to pull the trigger. Yeah, look, look, I understand I understand the criticism of, of uh, Cashman, I'll, and I'll let you continue. The, the I, I never understood this this idea that we we have to punt on trading for Juan Soto because of prospects, you know, you you hope that one of those prospects becomes Juan Soto. And, and mm. You hope that Juan Soto, twenty three year old superstar, has won a championship. Look at his resume; it, it's elite. If you got a chance to trade for him, you do that. And I'm sorry, like the prospects just gotta go. I I I don't agree that they didn't try. It just looks like the Padres had a better offer for them. And, and as far as um, building the team for 162, you know that's been that's been the easy criticism of Cashman. I don't like the idea that it's a crapshoot because I don't know if I agree with it. Like in 2020, who won the championship? The Dodgers. They were the best team in baseball that year. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2018, the Red Sox, 108 games they won in the regular season. They win the championship. 2017, the Astros, clearly the best team. They won a championship. 2016, the Cubs, best team in baseball. They won the championship. The Royals were in the in 2015 won the year before they were in the World Series. 
So we look at the Nationals in 19 and you know how they would look at the halfway mark, the Braves coming out of nowhere last year. I think for the most part, if you're one of the, the three best teams in the league, you're winning a championship. I don't I don't subscribe to this like phony idea that it's, it's that it's a crapshoot. I don't I don't agree with that. Right, but like I said, when it comes to the playoffs, he built he built teams that are built in analytics, you know, through analytics, which you know every team is. But sometimes you have to. See, he just wants to find lightning in the bottle every single time, and he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room every single time, <laughs> and he wants to be responsible for that championship. Like, look at the, for example, look at the, the the time where they did they uh they did the game plan with Garcia and Happ. Yeah, that made no so sense. That 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 I like mean that drove fine. me crazy. Like Debbie Garcia comes that. in, looks good, and then Hap completely vomited all over himself, and then they lost that game. That was game two. And remember, the Yankees, that was 2020, the division, series, the, the division series against the Rays. That was game two. They had one game one. There was a, This was a chance to put the Rays away, and then they did that nonsense. I was so yeah, annoyed. Yeah, he tries to be the smartest guy in the room at Brian Cashman. And, and especially with, like, this year where he's there, he's, he's, well, he was dealing with Judge. He told the Yankee fans throughout the whole offseason, listen, we're saving our money for, for our homegrown players, and then you're going to turn around and and give them a, a bogus offer and put the, the offer out there, and then you're going to tell me that, oh, we gave them the best offer we could, and then you go through arbitration. Instead of making the guy feel wanted, you're going to haggle for, for $2 million? Yeah. I, I, that... Every good move Brian, Brian Cashman makes, like, every one step forward, he takes, like, three or four steps back. <laughs> I appreciate the call, Eli. I think sometimes we go we go too far with the Brian. I, I think it works both ways. Sometimes we go too far with the Brian Cashman criticism, and other times we go too far with the adulation. Uh, it, it's hard for me to sit in, in a meeting with, with a judge and, and argue that Aaron Judge deserves $2 million less than, 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 what, than what he was asking for. Like, in that arbitration meeting— He's the MVP of the league. He's an all-star. He's one of the three best players in the sport, and we're sitting here arguing that, yeah, you know what, the $2 million you're asking for, a little bit too much. I, I, I did not understand that as well. Roger in the car. What's up? Talk to me. Yeah, hey, man. How you doing? Nice show, you know. Um, congrats. You. Appreciate you. Yeah. What up? All right. Um, Well, I'm a Braves fan, but I, I, I wanted to ask if you could give me a um, – um, a second on that to speak on that trolling Mets fan, but in a second, but what I originally called about, I wanted to get your thoughts on these two things. First off, because I've been trying to call the Michael K show from since before the NBA finals ended about this, that I don't like the new format of the finals. I don't like the two, two, one, one, one. I preferred back in the day when it was the two, three, two format. I think that format for the finals is better. And then also the other thing I called about I wanted to get your thoughts on was I don't like how Major League Baseball now is streaming now and because I have cable and now I got to go above and beyond and pay more than cable and I got to pay for Amazon Prime if I want to see the Yankees, if I, I got to pay for um, Apple TV Plus and Peacock if I want to see other out-of-market games. So I just don't agree with that. I don't agree that I got to spend now all this extra money if I want to, you know, see all of the games and everything, which, you know, like, with, you know, um, 
you know, with, with, with this new streaming. No, I get it. With, you know, I can watch MLB Network and watch the regional games and I everything. Get... But then now also with the with, with, with that trolling Nets fan right there, because I'm a Braves fan, it's crazy what, what, what that dude said and everything. Because the thing is, you know, okay, the Mets didn't get Juan Soto. They all crying, uh, crying in, calling in the Michael K show like it's the end of the world. I mean, we lost Freddie Freeman, and I ain't crying about it. Well, Us you're not, fans ain't crying about well, it. First of all, come on, stop it. I mean, it's a solid phone call, but losing Freddie Freeman after you won the championship, nothing to really cry about. And by the way, you replaced him with Matt Olson, one of the best first basemen in, in, in the league. So, uh, of course, the expectation isn't that a Braves fan is going to be crying about losing Freddie Freeman. Uh, about the streaming thing, man, it, it's the way of the world. It, it, we live in a capitalist society. You're going to try to maximize your product by getting every amount that, 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 that it's worth. And baseball you know, sees that there's a check waiting for them with Apple TV and and Amazon, that's just what's going to happen. The only problem with that is if you're a sport that's struggling with popularity, I don't think the solution is making your games harder to find. (laughs) That's the only thing. And I get it. Like It's about money and growing the game because you want to put it on different networks. I understand that. But for a sport that is struggling with its popularity, telling fans – we're we're gonna make it hide and seek. Come find me, especially when there are a million things other a million other things going on. I, I I think that's really rough. We're gonna wrap it up with one final hour. We're going until six o'clock. Football to get to. Uh, the Hall of Famers uh, were enshrined today in Canton, Ohio. So a really big day for the NFL. Uh, got some stuff that actually relates locally as it as it pertains to the Hall of Fame. Uh, situation going on. Uh, we'll continue with Mets and Yankees calls. The Mets are on the cusp of wrapping this one up. They are in the top of the ninth inning, two outs away from a win, but the Braves just put one in the gap. So at least one run is going to score, and now they have runners on the corners with one out down by four runs. So I'll up you, I'll update you on this game as it goes final. Hopefully I didn't jinx them because I said that they were going to win this game. Now you see Edwin Diaz is warming up in the bullpen. That's the last thing you want. You're up 8-2. Edwin Diaz should should be napping for, for game two of this series once you take that lead. But the Braves are threatening right now, so I'll keep you posted on that. More Yankees, Mets, Jets, Giants. We'll get to all of it right before we sign off here at 6 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.